Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. On Future Sense, it's 10.01, and we're talking today about uh, the shadow, about reflections, about the cat who looks in the mirror, I'm sure you've seen one of those videos, and freaks out totally at their own reflection and how humans, in a sense, this is where we're at right now, and how we better uh, take a, a different view of that reflection in the mirror. That's right, during this time of change. Uh, and if we look at life as a process of self-discovery, so really life and consciousness is all about looking in the mirror and learning about ourselves uh, it fits with the the teachings of all the great wisdom traditions really you find this mm. theme running through all of the wisdom traditions uh, through throughout the ages and for those of you out there who might not know what a wisdom tradition is we're really talking about long-term teachings that um, have operated for many years in parallel to what we see as the the formal structured religions we've had for the last couple of thousand years except the wisdom traditions are much much older mm. uh, they've been going for much longer they've often been suppressed by the structured religions because uh, basically for political reasons mm. to uh, allow the churches to empower themselves and there are some very constant themes uh, which run through these long-term teachings and one of them is this idea of reality simply being a process of self-discovery and many of the great traditions uh, they suggest that this reality was created in order that the creator of this reality could know itself mm. through us yeah. uh, and uh, strongly aligned with the idea of unity of consciousness in other words that all consciousness is uh, manifestation of a single uh, overarching uh, consciousness which runs through everything so the idea of looking in the mirror is very central to to that whole uh, perspective on reality itself and uh, what did you have there uh, Nick you were going to mention yeah well I, I related to this one of the things I came across and, and thanks very much to our new show on Thursdays this is the climate crisis with Michael Shaw and Michelle Walter middays on Thursday um, new shows had done two episodes and they reported to, to uh, the whole area of deep adaption particularly positive deep adaption and an article on that page which you can go to Facebook uh, by Paul Jepson I found very interesting and talks about narrative and I think this is actually what we're talking about in a sense here because narratives of course matter and I'm going to read a, bit, a little bit of this narratives establish the architecture for the telling of stories about the state of the world and how we should act during the mid 20th century a powerful environmental narrative emerged that has shaped institutions and cultural understandings of our relationship with nature the planet and different actors in society at its root this narrative adopts a simple state cause consequence structure nature is in crisis due to human fecundity greed and ignorance and catastrophe looms the activist generation of the 1970s populated this narrative with villainous 
but also innocent and heroic characters and called on governments to act to regulate the perpetrators of harm and for companies to change their immoral ways. And of course, this is still in action as we, as we speak. Many of the, uh, the activist movements around the world are still acting out of this place. Not that it's wrong. It's just one way of, of uh, approaching the problems on the planet. This narrative is powerful and has achieved much, but it mobilizes action through a combination of anxiety and blame. The relentless retelling of doom and gloom stories may have alienated many ordinary people from the environmental movement. The issues seem so big that people feel powerless to make a difference within the constraints of their everyday lives. So that part, we'll come back to the article with the, the positive side of this, but that's, that's pretty much what we're saying here is this, this notion that we're seeing the doom and gloom, the problems, the anxiety and blame, the guilt also that we feel because of the state of the world and, and things, and we look at that reflection of ourselves in the mirror and we don't like it. We're not responding very well to that overall. And this is a classic dynamic during times of paradigm shift. Uh, if, if we look at the, um, the structure that Gray's identified in the, the uh, evolution of human consciousness, we, we have this um, mirroring uh, double helix kind of pattern mm. where we, we live through uh, a layer which is focused on us as individuals, ourselves, and we're looking to the outside world uh, and we, we tend to be driven to want to change the outside world to suit what we want. Yeah. And then we alternatively move from there into a, a communally oriented paradigm, way of being human, where we suddenly become aware of changing ourselves to fit with what the outside world requires. And so we're bouncing backwards and forwards between individual existence and communal existence and uh, and alternatively we, we get those two different perspectives on ourselves we get it, we get a perspective of ourselves as being almost uh, in a godlike position of being in control of the material world yes. wanting to be in control yes. of the material world we're the masters of our universe we're masters of dominion of our, over all things on the planet and all that sort of stuff exactly and, and mm. uh, doing whatever we will and then alternatively we see ourselves immersed in community and uh, and feel the need to want to change ourselves to fit with mm. what the community uh, and our, our surroundings require of us uh, and and that that swapping backwards and forwards uh, each time brings a more expanded perspective of who we are and and what our place is in the world uh, and uh, and through this gradual expansion it's it's like we each step along that path we get a clearer view in the mirror of who we actually are mm. in relation to all of those things yeah yeah, um, and again, coming back to mental health, because of course these things are reflective very much in our mental health as, as individuals in society. And I, I note in the same article from Paul Jepson, he talks about these these uh, stories, these narratives, um, that they go through the same kind of um, structures as a mental health recovery. And that's very simply these four narrative components. First of all, first stage, despair, anguish, and hopelessness. And the second, awakenings and reassessments. And the third, then, decisions to act, often in the company of others, as you're saying, perhaps, depends where you're at, and then leading to the recovery of hope and wellness. So to really see the human situation as a psychological process, I think, is is very useful, it's very important. It is, absolutely. And uh, I was talking about the movement through the layers. Uh, it's, It's absolutely predictable in the first tier of consciousness, so in these first six layers of consciousness which take us up to and including the emerging paradigm, uh, postmodern relativistic, 
um, it's it's perfectly normal that we once we we shift perspective and we look back at where we've been we have this massive rejection Mm. uh, and we see it as distasteful unpleasant not wanted even to be eradicated in many cases and we're seeing that very strongly now you know where there's a strong movement to to uh, collapse capitalism really uh, which is operating uh, largely through the climate movement also Mm. uh, where where we're painting everything that we've ever done in in the previous paradigm is absolutely wrong Mm. has to be uh, completely got ridden ridden off you know throw the baby out the bathwater, those yeah, sorts, yeah. sorts of things, uh, and of course, there's no questioning that change is necessary. There are many, many reasons why we ought to change, and we ought to shift into a communal way of living to solve all of the problems that we've created by living the previous way. And and this is a normal dynamic; it happens every time we go through a paradigm shift. Uh, and uh, by understanding these patterns, and by understanding the process, as you say, of, of what's going on. Uh, we can get deep insights into how to actually work consciously with the process rather than being like the unconscious cat looking in the mirror, not realising what it's looking at and realising yeah. that it's actually looking at itself uh, and uh, and then getting mm. instant feedback in the mirror of its reaction to itself. So so if it gets afraid, it's seeing a cat that's afraid. You know, If it goes to attack itself, it's seeing a cat that's trying to attack it. Uh, and and this this kind of uh, unconscious reflection mm. uh, is what's feeding a lot of human behaviour right now, mm. which which uh, is very much driven by fear, mm. and consequently resulting in illness, depression, mm. uh, and those sorts of things, and a sense of hopelessness. Mm. I, I think is is growing yeah. as well at the moment. And of course, there's nothing here that's wrong. I mean, this is a, a process, and this is a, a stage along the way. You could argue, hopefully, that uh, individuals and society moves out of, but you you will need to have that response probably before you start to move to a more conscious and reflexive response to that reflection in the mirror but it, is, it does take a, a bit of work and I think you know we've, we've been disencouraged and disempowered in a sense through through media certainly through fake news which is making it very difficult to actually stand up and say well I see the truth and I believe in this truth I want this or I don't believe in this it's hard to actually know what you're facing what their reflection actually means now I think this is this is the trouble that many people have, have got what does it actually mean that we're seeing this here and we can't make sense of it and it doesn't relate directly to my reality other than the fact that I'm not getting any more pay anymore that my services are being cut that the arts department uh, of the arts ministry of, uh, of Australia doesn't exist really anymore so we're seeing all sorts of reflections that many of us do not like at all and our natural tendency is to is to do what we've done before and that's to fight or to f- or to go into fear or flight but we're looking now at a different approach to this uh, this reflection yeah and uh, the the motivation for change is being ramped up by this regressive value search which again is another natural response to to things not working very well as we look backwards to old ways and and okay let's try those out let's see if, see if they'll work this time and, and uh, consequently we're seeing a lot of political action which seems to be taking us and it is actually taking us backwards yeah uh, in in a a very, very natural evolutionary dynamic that is like pulling back the elastic band on a slingshot to create sufficient tension to give us forward momentum once again. And it's only by seeing how things uh, are at the moment and feeling like they <laughs> they really are wrong and, and need to be changed. It's only through that, that tension that we will be motivated to bring real change 
yeah. and uh, constructive progressive change. And of course, as uh, we mentioned, Carl Jung before, whose work on the shadow, of course, is uh, exemplary and probably the really beginning of all this kind of work and looking at the double side of the human being. And you might re recall the book uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, of course, written by Robert Louis Stevenson in 1886, looked at this uh, two sides of one personality that uh, that a human being has a shadow personality, which can gain dominance over the the, uh, the more functional personality. And in in this situation that we're in now, I think there's a lot of people who hide uh, these negative qualities of themselves because we are seeing them more and more. I, I suggest we're seeing them more and more. It's becoming obvious to us at this time that where we fail, for many of us, but instead of actually taking that in and holding that in and starting to ha have that sort of reflexive uh, relationship to that re to that experience, what we do is to project it out, of course, and this is how the shadow works. If you don't own it, if you don't see it, if you can't accept it and start working with your own shadow, you will project it out. And you see it in the mirror. You see it in the mirror. And we're putting it out, of course, on uh, all sorts of, uh, of people, refugees and uh, indigenous people and... And, and the list goes on and on. And this is the only way at the moment that most people, many people on the planet, are actually dealing with this very difficult reflection. But it's time for a change there. That's right. Sometimes I talk about uh, the old paradigm as being like a combustion engine that's reaching its its end of life, and uh, as an engine wears down, you know, through through hours and hours and years and years of use, mm. the, the the metal uh, starts to wear down, and so the the seals the uh, air seals in the in the engine start to break down but just before that happens mm. the the wearing down reduces the friction and so the engine will run faster and yeah. produce more power just before it breaks yeah. and uh, at the moment through particularly through social media we're seeing this acceleration of uh, wanting to project just the perfect image of ourselves and nothing more through Instagram, mm. you know, the, the influences, as you say, mm. through Facebook and through all of these other social media apps that we have. Uh, and we should ex expect that acceleration to continue right up until the blowout time, which is when the big realisation comes and you actually have to look in the mirror and face what's there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, tough times ahead, but positive in the end, we think, I think, I feel that uh, we are moving towards a great regeneration on this planet, uh, but uh, possibly not in my lifetime, but hopefully. Oh, yes, definitely in your oh, okay. lifetime. Excellent, yes. fantastic. No, I've seen the schedule. Oh, excellent, yeah, you have to. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll give you that. When you, when you join our special club, uh, which we'll give you details <laughs> of later on, you get the, you get the in, inside information from uh, Major McDonald on exactly what's going to happen on the planet in the next 50 years. That's right, and if you join this week, you'll get a set of steak knives. Ooh. Well, you shouldn't be eating steak day because apparently we're supposed to be vegan, although I am never going to give up honey. I am sorry. You're on VFM. It's 10.15am. Thanks for joining us. No text today, which is unusual, but perhaps you are going deep and looking at yourself rather than just throwing stuff back at us. Perhaps you're taking it in and having a good look at the reflection in the mirror. For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking future sense here on BayFM. Thanks for your texts. Come and just go through them. Uh, we are in awe. And in process, mate. Love your work. <laughs> Thanks, Casman. Uh, Conrad from uh, down there listening in Melbourne. G'day, Conrad. Uh, putting in my order for the steak knives. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. We'll yes. just uh, put you on the list here. And, um, and David, who's a regular contributor too, said, Stephen Fry made me an astrological atheist long ago when he commented that space is three-dimensional and so our linear picture-making of it is no more real than tea-leaf story-making 
And yet, we humans are in essence storytellers in creation and meaning. So all good brothers, project and create a way. Yes. Stephen Thanks. Fry needs to brush up on his science because there are way more than three dimensions. Exactly right. Yes, 11 at least. Um, and uh, Rod has written, hey guys, sorry I've been busy looking in the mirror in terms of not texting in. Thanks for that. <laughs> And lastly, from CT, this is, this is interesting, yeah. Hi, guys, great show. Just throwing it out there, but couldn't this whole thing, our consciousness, the universe, everything, just be one huge synchronicity? It's just one more complex than we can ever understand. It's just one way more complex than we can ever understand. Yeah. Yeah, I think that sounds reasonable. It does actually. sound reasonable. Yeah. That was uh, the, the most complex version of consciousness that graves documented in his uh, research held the perspective that one can never know the ultimate truth mm. as yes. a human. The never-ending quest. We just don't have the capacity to grasp yeah. the enormity of it all. I mean, it's very exciting, that particular perspective, just as a side sideline. When you introduced me to Graves' work, and I came across that, and of course that, the book, The Never-Ending Quest, which uh, is a very thick piece of, of uh, summary of his, of his uh, research, uh, just the notion that we don't have to get anywhere. It's kind of relieving, really. I mean, many people who are seeking enlightenment, seeking a sort of end point, that's their business and it's an aspect of, of, of being human to, to a degree. But the idea of letting that go is kind of rather freeing. That's what it was for me anyway. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, it, it points us to appreciating the process rather than, you know, sweating on getting somewhere. Uh, and, and that doesn't mean that we're not going somewhere. We are. Uh, we are changing <laughs> yes. continuously. And we're not the same. I think it's amazing how people still think that we are repeating the same things over and over again. And of course, there's an aspect of that always, but we're not going around in a circle. We're not doing the same stuff. The world is far more complicated than it was 50 years ago, 20 years ago, years ago and certainly 200 or 2,000 years ago. It's just a different paradigm that we're living in right now. That's right. And it comes down to where you're at in terms of your own consciousness development, what perspective you're taking on the world and mm. whether you are capable of, of taking a perspective that has multiple dimensions. Yeah. You know, whether you're seeing the world in 2D or 3D or 4D or 5D mm. or et cetera. Mm. Yeah. Indeed. And um, were you talking about Carl Jung there? Or? Well, I was going to mention this because in this article that I was looking at, I've been uh, using a bit today to quote a couple of things from it about uh, some of Jung's work about the shadow. Uh, he's asked at one point, is there a technique to integrate the shadow? And I guess that's really relevant in the sense that so many of us keep on seeking techniques. Nothing wrong with that. You know, ways to get to that point. Uh, but in terms of integrating the shadow, he said... Carl Jung himself, there's no generally effective technique for assimilating the shadow. It's more like diplomacy or statesmanship, and it's always an individual matter. I think that's certainly true. First, one has to accept and take seriously the existence of the shadow. In other words, you look at that cat in the mirror, and that cat goes, oh, that's a reflection. That's a shadow. Second, one has to become aware of its qualities and intentions. It takes an, an acute self-awareness. This happens through conscientious attention to moods fantasies and impulses and third a long process of negotiation is unavoidable and of course this is written you know 70 80 years ago and we could we could uh, contest some of that indeed but uh, relevant nevertheless and written largely from a layer six perspective so a relativistic postmodern perspective uh, which is very much about uh, you know turning the camera around and, and looking at ourselves i mean we apart from doing that in real life with, yeah. our, with our phones you know <laughs> where we're doing what, it, uh, i do that 
we're doing it in a sort of metaphorical sense as well in that this new way of being human is asking us, directing us. Uh, it, it's coded for uh, introspection. And um, one of the, the, you know, the documented, the shadow aspect of this sixth layer is, is layer three, which is egocentricity. So yeah. it has, it has as part of it, an egocentric, a self-centered viewpoint. Mm. Uh, and that's necessary to enable this introspection, this self-examination, and for us to undertake uh, a process of, of integrating things from our past which which still require integration and shoring up our so our our being to mm. provide this solid platform for the leap into second tier mm. because while we're standing on a shaky platform we're just not going to make that big leap into second tier successfully mm. so so you know what Jung's saying is, is very correct I mean it's from a particular perspective yeah uh, and if we wanted to expand on that we could you know, pop into a sort of a multi-dimensional approach where uh, we might engage in uh, self-development activities which enhance our multi-dimensional perspective and and these usually come from some kind of altered state which, yes uh, which could include psychoactive medicines but it, it could also be done in some other way meditation yoga and what those uh, allow us to do is to have uh, an expanded sensory perception to sometimes get directly in touch with these aspects of ourselves as if we are you know standing in a multi-dimensional mirror uh, and and through that direct experience mm. uh, achieved in those altered states we can have very very uh, effective and compressed processes you know of uh, um, seeing acknowledging dealing with the shadow yeah, and I guess because more and more of us are capable of having those compressed experiences, more rich content in a shorter space of time, uh, because we, our capacity is growing for many people. Exactly, it is. Yeah, uh, and um, I might I'll talk in a in a moment. We might take a break first, but I'll, I, I want to talk in a deeper esoteric way about some of that uh, multi-dimensional sensory awareness and some experiences that I've had of, of uh, approaching what you might call the cosmic mirror mm. uh, in a mm. multi-dimensional way. Mm. Mm. Very good. Uh, just a couple of other texts have come in with a flurry of texts in the last 10 minutes or so. Okay. Uh, I think this is also from David. He says, P.S. What matters only is if the storytelling either by astrology, God or tea leaves is unveiling of a reality. So yes, if it's unveiling reality, then whatever, whatever access point that you find is valid. Um, and he says, love Monday morning story time with Nick and Steve. <laughs> Thank you. A um, couple of other things too. Uh, this one too, how do we join RD? Is this organization taking newbies yet? And RD, and you spell it correctly. I'm impressed. Thank you for that. Uh, very good question. We, we're still in the process of getting ourselves organized, and uh, sometime soon I'll get a, an email list uh, up on the website so you can join that. Yeah. We do have future plans to create a, a member-based network, uh, and we need some serious funding to get to that point. But in the meantime, uh, we will provide opportunities, and we'll announce that on air when we've got a, a chance for you to sign up. So thank you for the question. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate, and spiral up. Thanks for all of your texts. You can still text in 04-3734-1119. And we're talking about the reflection, the shadow, yours and uh, the whole of the planet, in fact, for that matter, and where we're going with that. Yeah. Um, 
said uh, just before the break that I wanted to talk about some experiences that I've had in altered states over the years uh, and offer a way of making sense of everything. There are a couple of assumptions underlying this and of course um, there are always assumptions underlying our perspectives and it's good to acknowledge those but these assumptions that I'm, I'm going to name now are teachings from the wisdom traditions which have been around for a long time really as long as recorded history and and they are that we exist in a field of unity of consciousness so all that we experience including ourselves is one uh, infinite and complex field and that this field of consciousness seeks to know its own nature and if you work on those assumptions then you also must work on uh, the understanding or from the understanding that we are by definition uh, the an aspect of uh, a, um, a facet of uh, this unitive field and mm. consequently we are uh, part of the co-creation process mm. ourselves and, and so we are not having something done to us but we are participating uh, in this unitive action mm. of, of knowing oneself um, and my personal experiences around that in in very very uh, deep altered states have been uh, around the the feeling of the experience of approaching a mirror and the mirror itself um, appears to be brilliantly lit uh, and and it can be in in the early stages of of um, having these experiences, and I'm talking about multiple experiences here. Uh, that light can seem too bright, too harsh to actually approach, uh, and there's a tendency to want to pull away from it. Um, and, and again, you can <laughs> relate all of this back to the cat seeing itself in the mirror, right? It's like, what the fuck was that? Um, and and uh, language warning, you know, through. Um, through through practice and uh, achieving a sense of stillness, being able to move closer to th that mirror, and uh, this fits with the concept of what what is known as the reflexive universe. So, a a, a reality that reflects itself back to itself. Mm. And, and this is captured in traditions that teach around cause and effect processes. The, the word karma is used yeah. uh, in the Indian, Indian traditions, yes. this idea that every action has an equal and opposite reaction, just like looking at yourself in the mirror. Mm. You know, whatever you do, you see done back uh, or, or returning as an echo. And so um, the closer, if, if you are in a state of discombobulation, then the closer you get to this mirror, the more you will feel that. So whatever state you are in, the more it becomes enhanced as you approach this, what, what I call the cosmic mirror, right? Mm. And so the only way to, to really uh, get close to it is to be in a state yourself that is going to feel okay as it's amplified. So in, in other words, a state of peace and stillness. 
uh, and uh, and I've found through over a number of different experiences that I was able to come closer to the mirror by by achieving that peace and stillness. But I had to go through this process of firstly recognizing that this was a kind of a mirror that I was approaching. Uh, so there there had to be that basic understanding, and then through um, a process of of learning, realizing that whatever I was being was going to be amplified as I, as I moved closer to this. And these kinds of experiences uh, that we can have in altered states are simply a magnified version of everyday life. So every day you, you walk out the door and you meet yourself in, in various guises, you know, and, and not just in and through other people, but in every aspect of reality. Uh, if, if you subscribe to these assumptions that I'm talking about, we live in a, a unitive field where everything is ultimately one thing and we're all connected and it seems to be holographic in nature so you can learn about the nature of yourself through everything that you encounter through your own consciousness and our capacity to do that of course grows and expands as we grow and expand through these various layers of consciousness and particularly moving into second tier consciousness where we get a sudden expansion of multi-dimensional awareness and, and, and a, a, a much greater multi-dimensional awareness that we've ever had before and we seem to have um, greater visibility uh, that we don't seem to we actually do have greater visibility of human nature in all of its previous forms that we personally have grown through we we get to see the underlying patterns these layers like bubbles that we've moved through uh, nested bubbles of different ways of viewing the world different ways of making sense of reality different ways of understanding ourselves. Uh, and and so the the revelation that comes with the second tier transition is uh, is really is quantum in nature. You know, it's uh, it's it's massive and beyond any uh, shift in terms of its magnitude and its detail and its complexity. Beyond any shift that we've ever grown through before uh, in this experience of being human. Mm. Mm. Good, interesting text uh, just on this topic as you're speaking. I, I think from Ed. Uh, Mr. Ed, <laughs> he calls himself lovely having a talking horse listening to the show. And he can text as well. Yeah, there you go. Um, isn't this path of or journey of spiritual seeking the ultimate cosmic joke? As when we re-remember or become aware again of what we are made of or essentially, uh, or essentially are, all the looking outside of ourselves has been right under our noses all along. Hmm. Exactly, by design. By design. By design. And that's the, that's the missing piece, by design. That's what you said earlier. Exactly. The, 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 whatever created us, however we are created or we created ourselves, whatever it is. Yes. The, the idea being that we created ourselves in this way in order to see ourselves and to experience ourselves. That's right. The purpose and, of and creation that, itself. That adage of know thyself is embedded in all of the Western traditions. You know, the, the ancient uh, temple of Apollo at Delphi, it was inscribed above the, the portal at the entrance yes. to the temple. And yes. you'll, you'll find it in every uh, long-term tradition. Mm. And I think uh, another thing I was going to uh, quote when you were talking about uh, going outside of the mores of society, in a sense, with uh, altered states, and there are many ways to do that. We talk about that on this show. Actually, when you say going outside the mores of society, if you look back at the history of society, you'll find that that's been the norm. Okay, we, we've been living through an anomaly where where it's been suppressed. Yeah. Good point. And I was going to also mention that the the um, tribal traditions, the indigenous traditions, the wisdom traditions, are also governed, in fact, by Pluto. We're talking about Pluto astrologically earlier but uh, this piece here on the shadow also says no matter the approach we adopt to properly integrate our shadow it's necessary to behave in ways which run counter 
to the mores of society and our own conscious moral compass. Most of our shadow qualities, after all, were repressed into our unconscious because we believed they were unacceptable, either socially or according to our family or peers. And I guess that's yeah, certainly more recently, as you're saying, this is the truth, is that a lot of these uh, in investigations of, of the past have become uh, untenable in the last you know, 50, 100, couple of hundred years under the the, uh, the paradigm of that's been governing us. Yeah, and uh, one of the key links in there that has been uh, suppressed has been um, self-inquiry through direct personal experience and particularly spirituality and yeah. religious uh, belief yeah. systems structured around uh, direct personal experience and, and with... The, we're basically the last 2,000 odd years when we've gone, we've lived through this period of, of um, politically motivated religious structures they have disconnected us from that direct experience mm. f for for uh, control purposes yeah. basically yeah. Uh, and uh, you know basically obliging us to go through the, a representative of this structured organisation in order to have some knowledge of self mm. Mm. Uh, rather than gaining it directly through the kinds of practices that were suppressed by the churches and, and that w have been in existence forever Yes exactly and of course along with that as you're speaking I'm thinking of things like rites of passage in indigenous uh, communities right throughout time and space and how they have been suppressed or, or disappeared in, in most cases and replaced by uh, a by some of the sort of more traditional religious uh, formations you know taking you know uh, um, in, in more than all those traditions but also the uh, the, the new sort of rites of passage of I guess you know a bunch of young guys getting out and being getting drunk so we, we sort of disappeared that that other that deeper that more profound reflexive uh, reflection of uh, of journeying into uh, into a change at various times in our life which is which is necessary the change from childhood to adolescence for example and so on we have and, and part of our movement forward into this new paradigm in the rebuilding of local community uh, is by necessity rebuilding structures recreating structures within society so we can do these things in uh, in full knowledge of, of what we're doing and uh, you know mm. with supported by people who understand the, the nature of these processes and can guide us through those as we've had you know if we go back to, to ancient civilizations we had yeah. massive structures like that built in society which which have uh, been lost in more recent times yeah indeed um, Eckhart Tolle says according to another text here we are not our mind we are not our emotions and whenever we manifest negative thoughts or emotions we should remember this become aware that these emotions and thoughts are not us and be the ever-present pre witness in the now another approach to take and of course Eckhart Tolle has been very successful in uh, drawing attention to that self-reflective nature to a degree for sure yeah very true as you're talking there I, you're talking about Pluto again you made me think mm. about Mickey Mouse <laughs> And, of uh, course, because dog was dog. Pluto, and, and, the, and the dog is a bloodhound, right? <laughs> Sniffing out the truth. Yeah, very good. I uh, love you. We'll take one more break here, and we'll come back to wrap up here on Bay FM. And we're still receiving your texts; they're coming in thick and fast. Thanks for that. Really enjoy uh, getting and responding to your texts here. You're resonating right now on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans. Thanks for the last couple of texts. Someone has written, I was born in 1961 with Saturn-Jupiter conjunction in Capricorn. That's right, back then, 37, 38 years ago. Oh, no, it's wrong, 50-something years ago. Um, so those of this generation, of his generation or her generation, it's Joe, 
uh, can expect some massive personal revelations at this time. We didn't get to say that, but absolutely, the different uh, these these conjunctions, particularly these outer planets that are occurring in Capricorn at the moment and in the next year or so, and it's been going on for a while. They affect different generations in different ways. That generational aspect is extremely important because they uh, they touch different aspects, different parts of each individual collective generation and that's a fascinating topic in and of itself how that's emerging as we go forward so yes indeed very interesting um just want to summarize with uh, I, I guess lessons we can learn from the cat in the mirror uh, and the first lesson we can learn from the cat in the mirror is whatever you're doing and being is going to come right back at you basically yeah. uh, and uh, <laughs> it, it takes that i guess first realization that you're actually looking in a mirror uh, before you can work with that reflective dynamic that we we seem to uh, live immersed in in this reflexive universe and so what it points to is whatever you want to experience in life then you need to cultivate that internally and and that points towards doing regular inner work some kind of daily personal meditative practice uh, which allows you to cultivate inner peace uh, and stillness and and that certainly is again a, a key uh, aspiration of this emerging paradigm at the moment is seeking inner peace there's no doubt about that that's well documented in graves's writing i think that's always been talked about about sort of cleaning the mirror or taking wiping the dust from the mirror so getting a more real exact and immediate reflection going on there not a sort of clouded one so to speak that's right mm. mr sheen mr sheen um, <laughs> and i guess another thing we can it's learn not a product from the, the cat another we can uh, learn from the cat in the mirror another thing is um that be cautious of being influenced by knee-jerk reactions fear responses uh, panicked reactions and be conscious of be aware of uh, anytime you might be projecting your fears onto others and be wary of personalities who appear in the media urging everyone to be fearful and to panic uh, because if everyone panics then guess what that's exactly what's going to come straight back at us and we know from our basic understanding of human nature and our physiology that we don't work the best when we're panicked or when we're fearful in fact it shuts down our capacity to uh, know and perceive and we fall back into instinctive knee-jerk reactions uh, so it's really not desirable particularly at a time when we are clearly facing many many complex challenges in the world the very best thing we can do first and foremost is to achieve inner peace so that we can then very very consciously act in ways to make the world a better place for everybody and uh since we work in or we live in a reflexive universe and work in it i guess um you know whatever we're being will be reflected back to us and and so uh, the work starts right here at home mm, absolutely um another question because i mean as we evolve do we come to know ourselves anew just what you're saying or are we just only unveiling ourselves as we've always been uh, and he says, and my sense is as a new as never bef be been before, and yet it seems more and more as home. I guess what you're saying there is the the new is um, is is new, but it actually feels like home. That's interesting, isn't it? Because there's a truth to that for sure. Yeah, there is, and I, I guess it relates to this idea of uh, an expanded perspective. As we grow mm. into something new, we achieve an expanded perspective. So, what we considered to be 
us, me, uh, at an earlier level of development is smaller uh, than the me that I experience now. Um, and it, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I guess it's both and really. Mm. Yeah, you yeah. know, we are experiencing ourselves as something new, but we're also experiencing more than we ever experienced before. And so we get to know ourselves uh, from a much, much larger perspective. And, and ultimately, you know, if you kind of extend it out to infinity, we're moving towards knowing ourselves as this infinite, complex field of consciousness that we are a, a facet of. Which uh, hopefully, which will enable us to find much deeper system solutions to the issues on the planet that we currently really don't have the answers for, even though we think we do, in a sort of narcissistic way, I would suggest. Indeed, indeed. And, uh, you know, I can't underestimate the, the worth of um, altered state experiences which allow us to, to have peak momentary encounters with our larger self. And then we do come back. But uh, I, I like to say when we have these peak expanded, expanded experiences, you know, it's a little bit like inflating a balloon and then we come back and the balloon never quite goes back to being as small as it was before. There's always a little residual stretch. Mm -hmm from those experiences so they're very very useful however you might be uh, you know inclined to, uh, yeah, so to look, look for your residual stretch folks exactly we'll have to leave it there that's it for the show thanks for joining us here on future sense so check it out futuresense.it as a portal to our podcast also on itunes on the itunes app and other portals and uh, please keep on joining us and writing and um, yeah, expanding exactly thanks for thank you being with us thanks Steve. Cheers. bye bye You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.